Welcome to Eastern Europe's Minorities in a Century of Change, a podcast on the history of minority experiences in Central and Eastern Europe during the 20th century. This series is part of the Institute of Historical Research Centennial Commemorations, Our Century, Looking Back, Thinking Forward, and has been organized by the Study Group for Minority History. It was made possible through the help and support of the British Association of Slavonic and Eastern European Studies and the Stanley Burton Center for Holocaust and Genocide Studies at the University of Leicester. The study group is a forum devoted to researching minorities in the national and regional histories of Central, Eastern and Southeast Europe and promoting closer scholarly collaboration. For more information, please visit our website at studygroupforminorityhistory.com. I'm Olena Palko, the co-convener of the study group. And today it is my great pleasure to welcome Ra Raulka Kristocha from the University of Mainus in Ireland and Petra Matei from Elie Wiesel National Institute for the Study of the Holocaust in Romania, who will be talking today about the Roma in Romania in the 20th century. Raul, Petra, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Olena. Thank you for this introduction. And Petra, welcome to the podcast. It's Thank a you. pleasure to to have a friend on on uh, on this episode and we usually start by asking this question of all the all the, all the people who take part in the series can you start by telling us a little about yourself and how you became interested in this particular aspect of history um yeah thank you Raul. thank you uh Olena. so um six years ago i started working uh the elevation national institute for the study of the holocaust but my interest in, uh, in, uh, in Roma is definitely uh, longer. So uh, I think uh, it happened more than 15 years ago. And uh, it's a rather complicated story, but um, I think I should uh, make it um, short. So um, I think it started with my uh, brother back then living in Ireland who adopted um, a child from a Roma family, and uh, yeah, that uh, that uh, child um, became uh, my uh, my relative. And um, starting uh, with that moment, uh, I think uh, you know I, I saw everything uh, different. You know, like uh, um, the fact that uh, we are from a village uh, close to Vitejt, where at the end of the 19th century, most inhabitants were uh, Roma, for example. And a few decades later, nobody or just a few people, you know, five or ten people uh, during the census in 1930 recognized that they were Roma. Yeah, this was uh, interesting. Then, um, um, yeah, I studied history and as you know, uh, you have to do some um, practice. Yeah? In the first year, I went uh, and did some work in some cemeteries, like 2,000 years uh, old, with some old Germans from northern Moldova. And um, you know, next year, I said uh, I'm not interested in older history. I'm interested in contemporary history. And I went to the archives and just for you know, asked for some art files. I didn't get them, and then I said, uh, you know what, give me some documents about uh, Roma deportations to Transnistria. I said it was quite many years ago, and I got them, uh, lucky me, but uh, what struck me uh, was to 
see uh, that there were, I mean, uh, list of, of petitions signed by villagers, by Romanian villagers, uh, asking for the repatriation of the Roma who had been deported to Transnistria or who, um, you know, there were some rumors, some fears that these Roma who hadn't been deported yet uh, would be deported elsewhere, you know, and that was uh, uh, surprising because I was well aware of, of that uh, uh, hostility, of that anti-Gypsism uh, in, in the Romanian society. And uh, what surprised me was to see that, uh, you know, just a few decades ago, uh, during the Second World War, when uh, 25,000 Roma, you know, were deported to Transnistria, there were so many people, you know, asking for uh, their repatriation because, you know, 15 years ago, okay, it was not politically correct, but uh, many, you know, saw Antonescu as a savior and uh, you know, all this stuff against uh, Roma, against gypsies, a new deportation could occur and, and, and so on. So I realized that um, things definitely changing, you know, uh, and I was, I was uh, interested in, learning more about that, how members, you know, uh, belonging to a certain ethnic group start to hate other people. Uh, why? Under which conditions? What, what happens? Because uh, I realized that Roma had become in, you know, a few decades, uh, you know, hated a lot, the most hated ethnic group. Uh, you know, we had those uh, surveys like uh, the most hated were the Roma, and then the Hungarians, and then the Jews. And it was, again, uh, surprising because I knew quite well that uh, Roma and Jews had been deported to uh, Transnistria. And uh, I knew quite well that uh, there had been a very strong uh, anti-Semitism. So something changed yeah, in a, a short period of time. And I wanted to know more about that. So, that's how I started to, to be interested in, in learning more about Roma, because they are fascinating, you know, uh, and we can learn a lot, and I'm not talking only about Romanians, but about everybody in Europe, actually, you know, identifying themselves as being I know, French, Hungarians, Bulgarians, you know, whatever, um, you know, uh, analyzing how we relate to, uh, to, uh, to Rome, to our Rome, you know? So that's how I, I, I was interested in this, uh, in this uh, thing, yeah. That's a, that's a very interesting story, Petra, and one that uh, in many ways reminds me of, of my own interest in studying minorities, um, this kind of, of, of distance from the other. And speaking of the, of the petitions that you came across, uh, I think one of my early finds that got me interested was also some similar petitions in the 19th century when Jews were being um, deported from Romania, they were they were basically forced to emigrate, and and villagers were were writing these petitions. Uh, I wouldn't say there were as many as as you say you found, but there were some, and it was going against this narrative of all Romanians being anti-Semites, and especially in the countryside, the peasants hating the Jews. And of course, I mean, many of them were were prompted by by very pragmatic considerations. I mean, what if the Jew was the only innkeeper in the village, and this was the the village pub fundamentally so people were, were wanting one of their own to stay and, and and keep the pub open 
but it does nuance the story and uh, i i feel you're you're absolutely right that that you know romanians and and other majority groups would have a lot to learn from from looking at minority histories and especially the roma since this is a podcast series that focuses on the 20th century i think it only makes sense to start our story in the in the 19th um so could you tell us maybe what was the situation of the roma in romania after emancipation and then what if anything changes after 1918 uh given that the state is both significantly expanded after the end of the first world war and much more heterogeneous in terms of, of minorities from a from a quite homogeneous nation state it becomes uh, a more multi-ethnic one um thank you so um after emancipation i wouldn't uh, say it was uh, quite different i mean sure legally they were emancipated they uh became free people you know free as well to pay uh, taxes uh, and so on but uh, we are talking about um the consequences of um you know slavery in uh the, what was to become the world kingdom i mean you know these two uh, provinces uh moldova and uh, Valachia, uh where uh, roma had been for centuries you know starting with uh 14th century until mid 19th century, uh, they were slaves. Yeah, so um, okay, all of a sudden, you know, due to this uh, modernization process, I mean, uh, uh, young Romanians uh, uh, studying abroad in France, in Germany, coming with some new ideas, and of course, it was a shame to have uh, have slaves. So what they uh, basically did, uh, you know, towards the end of the of the first half of the 19th century was to try to, uh, you know, modernize Romania. And as I said, uh, having slaves was uh, seen as, uh, as uh, something uh, which, you know, should make us uh, ashamed of. So um, we do have, you know, starting with uh, 1840s, uh, this process. Uh, there had been three uh, categories of, of, of slaves, you know, belonging to noblemen, to boyas to the church of the box church and to the prince states uh, slaves uh, they had been useful you know uh, throughout uh, centuries and uh, after 1856 when the last uh, uh, gypsy slaves uh, were uh, emancipated uh, sure they became uh, citizens but uh, without uh, having um, you know what was supposed to, to have uh, in terms of, um, you know, professions making them uh, competitive and so on. So what we have is uh, that uh, poverty of this uh, relatively large uh, uh, group of people. And what is even worse, I would say, um, that's bias, those prejudices against uh, some people who have completely, who have been completely, you know, uh, from uh, the other, from the three uh, people. So, um, yeah, legally, as I said, we have uh, free people, but uh, they continue to be uh, seen as, you know, being somehow inferior to uh, to the others. And I'm not talking here uh, about the position of some uh, political parties, nationalist parties, you know, uh, towards the end of the 19th century. I'm talking rather about simple people, you know, about uh, common people, about peasants. Um, well, for the intellectuals, for the Romanian nations already at the end of the 19th century, uh, the significant other might have become the Jew, 
uh, or the Greeks, yeah, but of course, the Jew uh, plays a much more important role, uh, but not, uh, not uh, the Roma. But for the peasant, for the simple people who had been, you know, uh, yet uh, convinced to become uh, nationalists in this proper or new, um, uh, you know, sense, uh, the significant other continued to be the, the, the Roma, the gypsies. So, um, okay, this is uh, the 19th century. Uh, we still have these uh, social differences with, uh, you know, associated with these uh, prejudices and stereotypes. And, um, yeah, we have a relatively a large number of, of, of Roma gypsies. Uh, we are talking about maybe 200,000 uh, people at the end of the 19th century. And it's uh, interesting because uh, you still have some uh, dictionaries, some, you know, uh, monographs uh, on different uh, uh, places, villages, cities, and you have relatively accurate uh, numbers of people and of, of Roma as well, you know. And uh, then, as I said, just a few decades later, when they were uh, doing the census in 1930, you realize that these people just, uh, just disappeared. So uh, we have uh, lots of, of such villages or cities with, um, you know, huge numbers of, of, of Roma who, you know, vanish. And it's interesting because we are talking about uh, fluid uh, identities and you know, different uh, ways of, you know, you have some years when uh, all declared themselves to be Roma, you know, five years later or 10 years later or uh, on a certain occasion, nobody declares uh, you know, themselves as, as such. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, but this is uh, the, the period before the, uh, the, the First World War. So, um, so what we have, uh, the, you know, 1918, 1919, we have um, Romania becoming Greater Romania, dominating um, uh, provinces like Transylvania, like Bukovina, like uh, Sutobruja, uh, some of them with, uh, you know, large numbers of Roma as well. But we are talking about relatively different uh, uh, groups of people, not so uh, different if we are to compare these uh, gypsies, this Roma to um, Jewish communities, because um, more or less uh, uh, Roma uh, you know, lived uh, in the countryside, just like the Romanians did in you know, the old kingdom or these uh, newly acquired uh, provinces. And uh, if these people, these Roma, uh, assimilated uh, to you know, the language of the culture of some other ethnic group, most likely they uh, you know, assimilated to uh, the Romanians. So they were becoming Romanians. And um, yeah, actually, this is interesting because in 1930, you have 262,000 uh, Roma who identified themselves as gypsies. Mm -hmm. But uh, most of them uh, didn't uh, speak uh, the language Romani, so they spoke, uh, you know, mostly uh, So we are talking about a, a process of, of assimilation in the 1920s and 1930s. So we have this decades after after emancipation. So um, yeah, in 1919, uh, 19, you also have the first. Um, um, Let's uh, put it this way, uh, expressions of political organization of, of, of Roma. You have uh, uh, some gatherings already in January 1919 in Transylvania, in Grupe, more uh, exactly. This is in uh, uh, Brasov, where uh, Roma 
became politically active and say that uh, we want uh, uh, equal rights. We want, uh, you know, land as well. Um, and they were, of course, grown uh, or, you know, they accepted the idea that uh, this uh, province, Transylvania, was to be uh, part of uh, greater mainland. It was something, uh, you know, all Romanians you know, just wanted to, to hear. So, and then you have uh, so-called uh, national um, gathering of uh, gypsies of uh, Transylvania in 1919. Um, yeah. That's, that's a very interesting uh, change, I think, because on the one hand, uh, I found fascinating to hear you talk about this fluidity, about the fact that, you know, you, you have certain persons declare themselves Roma at certain times, but not at others. There are many um, such instances documented in this lit new literature on national indifference, mostly talking about parts of Central Europe. Bohemia, for example, has been prominent like this when, you know, people check changing between Czechs and Germans, depending on the political situation and so on. But here, I think we're, we're dealing with a partly similar phenomenon, but one that is also partly different. And assimilation does come into play because I think here the the upward social mobility might also be an aspect that needs to be factored in when you think of Roma becoming Romanian um, over time in terms of, of you know moving up or up moving up in the social hierarchy or acquiring a better social status. Of course, once again, not a situation specific to the Roma, and there's a lot of and there's a lot of literature written on, on migrants to the US adopting similar patterns. But what was fascinating was this beginning of Roma politics. I didn't know actually it starts as early as 1919. So what do you think changes? Because the, the interwar period does indeed witness the beginnings of Roma politics in East Central Europe. And it's interesting that it actually starts, at least to my knowledge, in Romania. So what could you tell us about this in terms of how does it manifest uh, within Romania? What do you think prompts it in the interwar period? What are the what are the factors that, that lead to this Roma politics coming into being at this time? Okay, uh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, we are talking, you know, already for 1919 uh, about uh, these uh, gatherings, for example. You know, when you have uh, Roma leaders uh, having uh, quite uh, clear ideas about what uh, they want to get. Uh, and um, this was uh, prompted uh, at least in this case in 1919, by these uh, events, uh, organized similar events actually organized by Romanians already in 1918, uh, uh, full of, uh, of uh, that year when uh, they just organized to uh, make sure that uh, Transylvania, where Romanians uh, uh, made up the majority, will uh, become part of, of, of the greater, uh, greater Romania. So, to a certain extent, this was a model for uh, the, uh, Transylvanian Roma, but this is not only um, this. Uh, this um, this is not the only explanation. I mean, uh, okay, you have uh, leaders who become more active. You have uh, people saying that uh, in the past we suffered, um, you know, different forms of uh, uh, injustice, uh, and uh, we want to have uh, finally uh, our rights recognized uh, as such. Um, but apart from these uh, events in 1919, uh, we have um, some uh, interesting uh, forms of organization, of self-organization, you know? And uh, what I would uh, notice here is 
this this interesting evolution. I mean, for the beginning, you have some traditional uh, forms, and I'm talking about Roma living in uh, you know in some cities. I mean, in the beginning, these uh, uh, organizations were quite limited, very small, uh, limited to a certain place, uh, you know, bit uh, village, uh, bit of uh, city, eventually, but. Um, uh, they were limited to uh, that very place or to uh, some room, you know, sharing a certain profession, you know, like, uh, you know, musicians, for example, musicians from uh, Bucharest, yeah, they had their own uh, organization. But what is interesting here, okay, you have the 1920s, uh, and then um, already in the early 1930s, more exactly in 1933, you have these um, attempts to organize the Roma at uh, you know this uh, national uh, on this national level. I mean, you have uh, finally some uh, organizations claiming to represent all Roma from all Romania, regardless of their you know previous affiliations um, and and so on. And it's finally something which um, which um, claims to represent all of them. You know, you know, we're talking finally about some uh, uh, ideas about Neamul Tsiganesco, the Neamul Roms, Roma nation, Roma people. And you have uh, this, uh, uh, I repeat, uh, in the 1930s, you have uh, quite many uh, Roma newspapers. You have uh, the General Union of Roma in Romania, uh, and so on. You have uh, gatherings uh, in different uh, cities uh, with thousands of participants. You have uh, these people finally, because they realize that uh, together they can be more convincing. Uh, you have these organizations who finally start to be uh, seen differently by uh, you know, Romanian uh, entities, be they uh, political parties or the Romanian Orthodox Church. You know, who finally realized that these people uh, do exist uh, and they could become, you know, under certain conditions, uh, useful. Uh, so I guess uh, this organization was prompted. Um, okay, you have um, different uh, reasons for that. You have, for example, um, you know some some uh, difficulties, uh, economic difficulties, because um, these uh, professions uh, of uh, Roma uh, they excelled at you know already a long time ago. Uh, started to uh, become uh, obsolete. Yeah, I mean they are finally competed by you know factory products uh, which are uh, cheaper and so on. Uh, so you have uh, people who are getting uh, more and more uh, impoverished, and uh, you have uh, you know a solution. Or some people, some leaders, uh, some groups uh, say that uh, we have these difficulties. We have to uh, unite ourselves to try to get our uh, rights. You know identifying some you know, relevant stakeholders among Romanians and trying to negotiate uh, you know, these rights with, uh, with them. Then you have, um, apart from that, uh, so a certain mobility upwards of, of the Roma as well. I mean, you have this, after the First World War, uh, this uh, land reform, and uh, maybe even more important, you have this um, uh, reform, um, uh, political reform, I mean, um, you know, Adults, males, men, Romans, well, got the right to vote, and uh, it was a huge uh, advantage actually because uh, the political parties, otherwise um, totally uninterested in uh, in Roma, 
uh, realized that they should, you know, get votes also from these people. And uh, in, you know, there were some some Roma, some you know, politicians, if you want, who realized that need of the others, Roma votes, and not only for Roma votes, uh, for Roma help, from Roma support, because we're not talking only about political uh, parties, we're talking also about church. We are talking about Transylvania uh, after the war uh, becoming part of, uh, of Great Romania, as I said, but uh, we are talking about uh, uh, province uh, which Romanians, you know, Romanian nationalists uh, felt that uh, actually uh, belonged to the others, the foreigners, the stronger uh, ethnic groups like, uh, you know, Jews in the cities, uh, Hungarians, uh, Germans, and so on. Um, so, to a certain extent, um, Romanians and Roma as well uh, realized that there could, um, you know, rise some, some uh, forms of uh, mutual uh, help, you know, um, because to a larger extent, uh, Roma, as I said, when assimilating to uh, another culture and language, uh, they, you know, assimilating, they were assimilating actually to, to the Romanians. Why? Because they were a rural population as well. So you don't really have uh, so many Roma living uh, in, uh, in the Transylvanian cities, uh, which back then were uh, to a large extent Hungarian or, you know, Jewish and, and so on. So uh, I think this, this is the, the, the situation which contributed, which uh, helped uh, as well, you know, uh, you know, the creation of, of this uh, uh, Roma movement, you know, encouraged that. So there were better opportunities, uh, you know, for this Roma to collaborate with, as I said, political parties, church, just simply Romanians who, you know, competed against some other ethnic groups uh, in these new regions like Transylvania, you know, so they, the Roma leaders, you know, became aware of these possibilities and learned to use them. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it also was interesting to hear how it comes from both sides, like, you know, sort of like both the Romanians and the Roma realized they might need each other um, for various reasons. And it's also the, the social element comes back again, because I you know this, this part about the certain traits that became obsolete and visibly so in the interwar period, leading to impoverishment. And that in turn prompting political organization, I think is a very important thing to make um, in this context. And when talking about minorities more generally. Now, stay, staying within interwar Romania, it was dominated by anti-Semitism as we well know, which eventually became a mainstream discourse. And you know, one could speak of, of such a thing as structural anti-Semitism. Do you think there was any comparable anti-Roma rhetoric? Because I, I, I think you can find arguments here um, saying both things, saying yes and saying no. And if there was any, um, if, if there wasn't any comparable anti-Roma rhetoric, how do you account for this? How do you explain its absence in interwar Romania, if, it, if indeed it is an absence? Um, yeah. Um, no, it wasn't. And, um, well, at first sight, uh, this might uh, surprise because, uh, as I said, we, we are talking about uh, people, you know, uh, being deported to Transnistria during the Second World War. And we, we tend to simplify, you know, to, to project onto the past, you know, what happened uh, during the war. And we, we tend to believe that if, you know, 
we had strong anti-Semitism back then. And if we have this strong anti-Jewism nowadays, and then in, you know, uh, during the war, you have, uh, you know, deportations, which affected more or less um, similar, uh, these, you know, members of these two groups, then you tend to believe that, uh, it, you know, anti-Semitism and anti-Jewism must have been um, similar back then elsewhere. And, I dare to say uh, it's not uh, it's not the case. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, people, you know, don't start. I mean, you know, members of an ethnic group, majority, majority, if you want, Romanian majority, don't start, you know, to 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 hate the others, you know, uh, all of a sudden. So there is always some some process uh, at, at work here. So you need, you must have some some conditions. Uh, so I don't think there was a similar gypsy obsession in inter-Romania as it was uh, an anti-Semite or, you know, inter-Romania already uh, in the 19th century. So uh, the Romanian nationalism, uh, uh, in inter-Romania at least, was hostile against uh, those um, ethnic groups which were seen as being stronger, you know, uh, economically, uh, culturally, socially, which were better organized, and so on, which were seen as, as you know, endangering the Romanian state, and so on. And uh, we can distinguish here between different uh, different uh, ethnic groups. I mean, you have. Uh, so what what does it matter actually? So we're talking about about numbers. Um, okay, you have seventy two percent. You know. Romanians living according to the census in 1930, living in, uh, in Romania and have almost 30%, uh, you know, minorities, people belonging to different minorities, but Roma were not uh, among the first, you know, they didn't rank, I mean, uh, as it happens, maybe nowadays, uh, with, with Hungarians and immediately after the Roma. Uh, back then, uh, in 1930, you had, as I said, Romanians with uh, 72%, Hungarians with almost 8%, then Germans, few percent, uh, uh, Jews, and so on, Russians, Bulgarians, uh, Ukrainians, and so on. I mean, Roma were only uh, on the eighth place in Romania in 1930. I mean, you don't uh, really feel endangered by somebody who, you know, represents just, according to the sense of just 1.5%, uh, you know, you feel endangered by the others. And um, okay, you could um, feel endangered by Hungarians, for example. Yeah, uh, I mean you have a strong uh, minority numerically, and not only you have it, um, you know, strong. Um, so in, in in the cities which are you know wanted by by the Romanian nationalists in the 1930s, um, Germans as well. Not to mention the, the Jews, who are I would say. Uh, the opposite of 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 the Roma uh, in 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 inter Romania. I mean, in the case of Jews, we are talking about a relatively strong you know, numerically group um, who are very competitive, you know, compared to the Romanians uh, economically, socially, living in the in the same cities. Uh, the Romanians uh, wanted, uh, and you know, they had better opportunities. I mean. That, that feeling of the Romanians that uh, they continue to be to remain inferior to the others, to the Jews in that case, um, you know, continued. I mean, they continue to be afraid that uh, this inferiority uh, will be in the future as well, because, you know, in the case of Roma, we are talking about 
in the case of the Jews, we are talking about a very well-educated uh, group and so on. It's another case, you know, uh, with, uh, with whom, I mean, uh, most of, of, of them live just in the countryside. They were even poorer than the Romanians, even more rural than the Romanians. Uh, um, the illiteracy among them uh, was rampant and, uh, and so on. So, no, it was completely uh, different. And, okay, talking about numbers, so things could be seen as even more dangerous if uh, some ethnic group, you know, forms the majority in some regions eventually close the borders, which could be disputed or contested by um, some other country. Of course, there was no country called uh, uh, Roma, you know, close to Romanian borders uh, claiming uh, these uh, people. I mean, Roma didn't live in enclaves somewhere you know i mean we are talking about uh, a minority whose members you know lived uh, uh, scattered throughout uh, the country especially the outskirts you know some of them continue to be uh, nomadic uh, and so on and of course apart from numbers apart from you know these uh, uh, social economic uh, positions which i repeat roma didn't uh, have compared to all the other ethnic groups um, we are talking about also, also about history, I mean, about the past. I mean, uh, we know very well how the main nationalists, you know, referred to uh, Hungarians or to all the others, you know, against whom we, you know, fought bravely or we suffered uh, because of their injustice and so on. Um, you know, you can't really talk about um, Romanian peasants uh, in the Middle Ages suffering because of some Roma uh noblemen yeah so uh no i would say there is nothing like uh i mean you don't have this uh this condition uh, to have this uh similar uh anti-jewism uh comparable to that uh anti-semitism so i would say no um i mean and and it's quite visible you you have all these uh, far-right parties, even fascist parties. You have the Iron Guard. You have the Nation Christian Party. Um, you know, who, which were so fiercely anti-Semitic. But if you were to analyze their, uh, you know, programs or their, you know, to spend quite a lot of time reading their newspapers, uh, you don't really. And for me, you know interested in the history of Roma. It's quite frustrating now to see uh, these, uh, these mentions. I mean, you have to spend a lot of time trying to find some, some mentions uh, uh, about Roma and you don't find them because Roma weren't back then in the 1930s seen as being a, a national problem comparable to, uh, to the Jewish problem as it was uh, conceived um, back then. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to. I'm glad you, you got to mention that because in my own work, I, I deal with the, the fascist and radical right organizations in interwar Romania, and that was my impression always as well. It's the first explicitly anti-Roma article that I come across in legionary publications. In it is January 1941, just days before the the legionary rebellion, which eventually would failed and put an end to the movement. So it's very very late that you come across anti-Roma discourses. What you come across instead, actually, and that's quite interesting to see for a fascist movement that was, as you said, highly anti-Semitic, 
is actually a discourse of recovering the Roma, of, of, of seeing Roma as, as Romanians who, are, who, who, can be, who can be basically recovered for the nation in the context in which, as you said, there was this demographic threat from other minorities. There's this notion that they are loyal and because they are loyal to us and not to the others, then they are actually an asset rather than any kind of um, liability for the Romanian state, which is, I think, quite in, important to point out, given, like you said, that anti-Gypsyism today would is, I completely agree, Romania is sort of like number one uh, form of, of racism and ethnic discrimination, um, that, that the situation in the interwar period wasn't exactly the same, uh, was actually quite different. And since we talked about the, the, the fascists, um, I was wondering if you could, what what is the, the, the response from the other side? So how, how do the, the Roma organizations respond to this? Do they engage in any way with anti-Semitism? Do they engage in any way with this kind of rhetoric against other minorities, not themselves, but um, or with this kind of attempt to co them for the Romanian project? Um, yeah, uh, it's, I would say, pretty different. Yeah, so first of all, I would say uh, Roma organizations, Roma leaders were, were quite pragmatic. So they try to collaborate well uh, with the political parties. And of course they try to uh, collaborate well, especially with those in power, I mean, with the ruling uh, uh, political parties. And the one which was quite successful was actually the National Liberal Party. And I mean, you have this uh, organization, General of Roma in Romania, uh, which was a loyal uh, partner of the National Liberal Party and then of course, of um, you know, starting in 1938, of the um, um, so-called uh, National Renaissance Front, the party of the king, you know, when all the other parties had been uh, uh, abolished, and then uh, you have them uh, uh, being a loyal part, you know, partner, or you know, after the war of um, some. Uh, liberal factions or even uh, of the communists. I mean, I mean, they tried uh, to, uh, you know, get some uh, some resources from those uh, having the possibility to offer them something, you know. But on the other hand, uh, we uh, also talk about uh, some interesting uh, events or even uh, agreements between uh, home organizations, Roma leaders and some, uh, uh, you know, far right parties, or even uh, I'm talking here about uh, October 1933, when, um, you know, you have a, a Congress uh, in Bucharest of Roma, uh, and uh, Roma activists, you know, um, resort to Cornelius Elapuciano, the leader of the Iron uh, Quad, uh, and, uh, you know, they get, you know, the, the help of these uh, uh, students. And uh, as a result, Cornelius uh, Zelakobiano and other members from, uh, you know, this far right spectrum are uh, hailed as uh, members of honor of this uh, you know, newly created uh, home organization. And we're talking about uh, this Lazurico, uh, some other Sherboyan uh, who are among the most important uh, leaders of the Roma movement. They are basically those who created this, uh, this movement. So, and then you have in 1937, uh, very interesting uh, collaboration uh, between the National Christian Party of um, you know, Goga and uh, Kuza, um, 
who a few months later will you know form the government the same government which uh, introduced the you know anti-semitic uh, laws and so on and what is interesting here you, you have this anti-semitic party um, you know offering uh, this support to the uh, home organizations uh, you have uh, some interesting uh, uh, articles uh, you know suggesting that to Goma were unjustly uh, victims of uh, oppression uh, and so on, and they should uh, get some better opportunities and so on. And all these coming from uh, the fiercely anti-Semitic uh, uh, party. So it's definitely something uh, different, you know, Jews Roma back then or uh, Roma back then and Roma uh, nowadays in terms of, of uh, perception. And this is, uh, this is uh, fascinating. So, uh, but I wouldn't. I would talk more here about uh, about uh, pragmatism. I mean, it's not only um, you know. Okay, these Roma leaders could be uh, anti-Semitic, um, but on the other hand, uh, we are talking about these uh, these. I mean, sincerely anti-Semitic. Uh, but to a certain extent, we are talking about pragmatism, as I said. I mean, um, and this is, in my view. Uh, more interesting, not because Roma could, uh, could you know, or Roma became anti-Semitic in order to get some support from an anti-Semitic uh, party. I'm, I'm, I think it's more revealing for um, how the Romanian nationalism uh, changed, you know, within a relatively short period of time. I mean, we are talking about only like five decades between 1930s, you know, and late 1980s, when we have already some seeds of this uh, very strong uh, anti-Gypsism to, to become, you know. Um, so, yeah, I would say, uh, yes, um, you know, you have, you have um, this um, uh, Tsara Nostra, our, our land, which was uh, the official uh, newspaper of that National Christian Party, which is, I repeat, anti-Semitic. And then uh, you have this, um, uh, appearing as uh, a Sunday um, publication for this uh, Roma uh, uh, movement. Uh, you have anti-Semitic articles uh, as well, but I'm not, I wouldn't talk here about, you know, I wouldn't call uh, Roma movement uh, fascist or anti-Semitic, uh, although some leaders of, of this movement uh, were, um, you know, they, they couldn't, you know, become already, uh, I don't think uh, it's the situation uh, nowadays as well. I mean, easily uh, mobilizable, you know, ethnically and uh, and so on. Uh, so I would say it's more interesting, you know, from, uh, you know, because it offers, you know, some uh, way to understand you know, the position of some Roma leaders, but even more interesting, the position uh, of, of these nationalist parties for which, uh, Roma weren't yet uh, a problem, a national problem, weren't seen in this uh, way. Apart, you know, totally unlike um, what happened to the to the um, to the Jews. So yet, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, no, and yet, you and yet, have... th yet this changes so quickly though, because you have what you're talking about, and I, it is the thing I see myself like in 1938, 1937, 1938. It's the situation we we're just describing. But only three years later, Roma are being deported. Um, so what, you know, if, if we get to the to the time of the Second World War and the Holocaust, what do you think changes in the perceptions of Romanians about the Roma that 
leads to the Roma deportations, because the story of the Holocaust in Romania is generally paradoxical. I mean, it's the second perpetrator country in terms of numbers of victims um, after Nazi Germany, victims, you know, murdered by the Romanian authorities, but also the second largest percentage of Jewish survivors in Central and Eastern Europe after Bulgaria. And this is also the case when it comes to the Roma, just like the Jews, the deportations are selective. But why do you think this is the case, given the, the way in which Romanian nationalism in the interwar period related to the Roma, um, and given that the, the, the deportations were selective, some Roma were deported, others were not, how would you assess the, this selectivity of the deportations? What is your interpretation for it? Um, yeah, we are talking about hundreds of thousands of Jews, you know, being uh, uh, killed uh, by as well, uh, we are talking about uh, Jews, Jews uh, surviving the war, and the same happens um, in, in Romania with uh, with uh, Roma as well. I mean, twenty five thousand Roma being deported to Transnistria, half of them more or less dying uh, there. So we're talking about a uh, uh, huge uh, mortality rate of you know victimization of. Uh, uh, humanization of their properties uh, as well, and um, but in my view, I think um, yeah, there are different uh, perspectives, different uh, narratives concerning these uh, uh, deportations. Um, well, for example, one of them being uh, um, you know to ascribe the guilt for these deportations to Germans, you know. The Romanian government must have been allegedly um, influenced by uh, the Germans, you know, uh, who must have exerted some pressure and, you know, in order to make the Romanians uh, deport the war. And this is one, uh, you know, narrative or uh, some other narratives talking about, uh, hey, we, the Romanians, are responsible, you know, for. Um, these deportations, Jewish and Roma, but uh, we're talking about uh, Romanians. Actually, we're talking about the uh, you know, dictator of Romania back then. We're talking about Antonescu, and this is, in my view, a bit uh, tricky because um, we're talking here as well about some form of externalization. I mean, we identify this time uh, the guilty one among us, but it's only one. I mean, it's it's it 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 doesn't have to uh, to uh, do with some you know old uh, you know local Romanian uh, uh, realities you know quite deep. So you know you identify uh, the guilty one, one the leader uh, who could become you know uh, especially if uh, the war is lost uh, quite unpopular. And once you get rid of that uh, unpopular leader, you you know. The, the nation uh, becomes uh, pure, you know, get, is getting its, its uh, somehow, you know, narrative uh, redemption. And then, yeah, uh, there are some other, uh, you know, narratives or attempts to understand these deportations as <coughs> being um, provoked, uh, you know, caused by that anti-Gypsism uh, which is supposed to be similar to that anti-Semitism, and I don't think it's it's the case. And then there is uh, another explanation uh, talking about uh, the influence of uh, the Romanian Genesis on the state decision making, especially in the wars. And in in my view, all this talk more or less. I mean, 
the focus is rather on, on what happens uh, up there above. You know, the government, Antonescu, who is supposed to have been influenced either by Germans or uh, by these Romanian eugenicists uh, who must have studied in Germany or, you know, must have taken over some ideas from Germany and, uh, and so on. Um, but on the other hand, um, what happened uh, in, in Romania uh, during the war uh, to, the, to the Roma is, is, is very different from, you know, place to place. I mean, you have um, cities like Pitești, you know, deporting uh, almost uh, all Roma and only if you want 50 kilometers away in the same district, you have uh, another city, Curta de Argeș, where only three uh, Roma are, uh, you know, put you know, on this list, deportation list, and only one percent, uh, one, one, one woman uh, uh, got deported to, uh, to Transnistria. So in one case, you have 1,000 people being deported and in, in the next uh, uh, city having you know more or less the same uh, population or proportion of Roma uh, within the the, the you know, total number of, of inhabitants you have nobody or just you know very few people so um, in my view I think it's it's you know the truth is lies uh, much much deeper I mean um, it has to do with this uh, you know, complicated uh, interplay between different uh, I mean, you can't, you know, um, ignore completely, uh, you know, central authorities. Um, if you want, you can't ignore eugenicists uh, either. But um, leaving this, you know, uh, aside, uh, what, you know, accounts for what really happened, you know, uh, and with all these differences, uh, are these very complex and interesting you know, uh, social realities, you know, uh, local evolutions and, uh, and so on. And the problem, and this is the, the challenge if you want, um, um, it's, it's in my view much easier to uh, resort to some, you know, narratives um, borrowed from, you know, um, abroad from, you know, talking about German influence, eugenics and so on. And on the other hand, ignoring what happens on the ground, you know, uh, in my view, I think, it has more to do with this deportation. I mean, definitely we are talking about radicalization, uh, but it's not yet uh, radicalization uh, one could easily identify among these nationalist uh, parties or even fascist parties. I mean, they start to be interested uh, in Roma, as you said, uh, only quite late, uh, you know, in Kuvuntul, for example, only in October, November, January 1941. So, no, it's 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 not that uh, that visible. This this radicalization doesn't influence yet, uh, the, uh, you know, many nationalists. But on the other hand, you know, you have uh, uh, deeper this uh, radicalization, and I won't talk that much about political parties here, uh, but rather about law enforcement agencies, you know, uh, dealing with uh, what they perceive to be a growing problem of of Roma. And we are talking as well about uh, urban, uh, you know, you know, cities uh, um, uh, development and some uh, new ideas about how cities should look like. And we're talking as well about um, an interesting phenomenon of of Roma who had been useful, you know, with their uh, services, with their products, with their 
um, um, you know, crafts. They had to learn from generation of, uh, you know, for like, yeah, centuries. Um, to the extent that, uh, you know, the name they, they had uh, actually uh, originated in their profession. So they were useful for a huge amount of time. And they continue to be useful also in the 1920s, if you want. But we are talking about this uh, social economic evolution. I mean, uh, these people with, with, with the useful uh, crafts uh, start to be competed by, uh, you know, factories products. And uh, if you want the musicians, you know, and there are complaints uh, of, of this uh, uh, Roma activist in inter-Romania that they are competed, if you want, by radio. I mean, um, it's definitely easier for, uh, you know, pub owner to have some radio or to have some, uh, I don't know, gramophones and some uh, music uh, than to have to hire some uh, gypsy, uh, you know, professional uh, uh, musicians. So um, what happens is this, uh, you know, Growing uh, poverty among among these people, and um, hey, uh, what is also interesting, you have an in, you know, a process of, of which is quite um, I would say you know, a very visible uh, process of, of, of sedentarization of former uh, you know nomads. I mean, you know, we have for the 1920s some estimates. Um, of some high-ranking um, uh, gendarmerie officers, you know, who complained in um, 1925, for example, that they deal with uh, a huge number of nomads, you know, all these ideas about uh, uh, criminality and so on. And more precisely, they are talking about 60,000 uh, nomads. And uh, 15 or 17 years later, when these nomads were deported to Transnistria, their number uh, was definitely low. We are talking only about 10 or 11,000 uh, nomads. So what happened to the others? They became more or less uh, sedentary or harsh, uh, itinerant uh, Roma, but this creates uh, some tensions among, you know, uh, you know, which are rather visible locally, you know, uh, not that much, uh, they don't make it to the, to the uh, central government or to the uh, political nationalist uh, parties, you know. Um, so it's not yet a, a political or nationalist uh, problem seen as, uh, as such, but rather still um, a social problem, but not only social, yeah. It, 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 it is more complicated. Uh, you have this sedentarization because of a former, you know, nomads. But these nomads, uh, despite the, you know, utility, um, you know, economically, uh, were quite suspected, suspected by, um, you know, law enforcement agencies, by gendarmerie, uh, and um, they started to be uh, suspected by uh, villagers as well, because these people, yeah, they settle down, uh, and they have to settle down somewhere, you know, among others, and, um, you know, what is apparently uh, seen as a solution, and it was a solution, you know, nomadism, what is the solution? Sedentarization. The problem is uh, the same sedentarization seen by some as a, as a solution uh, could be seen by others as a problem. And as we, you know, so, you know, at least comparing these numbers, 1925, 60,000, and a few years later, only 10,000, what happened to the, uh, you know, to the other 50,000? They had become uh, more or less uh, settled 
making the others angry. Not everybody, but uh, we can see that uh, that uh, process, you know. Uh, and it, this is interesting because it's not only about uh, local, you know, you know, gendarmes or law enforcement agencies, but it's becoming also um, a growing problem and seen as such uh, by the uh, locals, villagers, or even uh, you know, people in the in the cities, in the outskirts, you know. And then you have uh, when talking about uh, about uh, uh, this process of sedentarization. Um, and doesn't necessarily have to do with uh, you know the nomads, uh, but we are talking about um, you know concentration. I mean uh, of, of people you know living for generations. Roma, and not only Roma, the outskirts, the peripheries, you know. And these peripheries, you know, um, the more the cities you know develop, uh, tend to be incorporated in what uh, is you know now seen as the good part of the city or the part which has to be domesticated, which has to be tamed, which has to be uh, to become emblematic for the city and not only for the city, but what is the city? The city is supposed to be uh, some form of mirror of, of, you know, the Romanian achievements. And the problem is you have these ideas um, that, and that's, you know, growing frustration that the, the city, you know, uh, Actually, isn't the the mirror we wanted? You know, uh, it's it's a problem. We we the city uh, as a proper image, you know, of ourselves as as Romanians. And this is an idea which uh, starts to uh, uh, become uh, already more common in the 1930s. Um, the city is, you know, uh, more or less affected by this uh, gypsy presence. You know, which I repeat. Well, actually, that, that gypsy, that Roman presence at the outskirts, he made at the outskirts, he didn't move. What, what did move was the center. And what did change, you know, was this, uh, uh, I would say, rather new perception that we have to, um, you know, what is now, if you want, some poverty pocket uh, at the outskirts uh, and so on, or along some railways or some streets has to become a uh, you know, proper image of you know, us. And uh, this image uh, suffers because of the presence of, 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 of the gypsies. And yeah, um, you have more radical, uh, you know, more aggressive uh, stances uh, regarding uh, Roma. And um, I would say that um, these differences, you know, in regard to um, what happened to the room. I mean, why a city uh, deports or certain, um, you know, village uh, or entity, administrative entity, uh, you know, is deporting so many people while uh, the others uh, do nothing like, uh, like that. Why, for example, in Karaj, which is definitely a larger city in Yalomitsa, where only eight, you know, Roma, uh, uh, deported and in Sandare, which was a smaller, you know, village-like, uh, um, deported hundreds of people, you know, and yeah, we are talking about different perceptions, about different, uh, you know, arguments actually invoked um, by uh, different uh, actors. So, in my view, it would be a, a, 
a mistake, you know, to take some uh, ideas uh, expressed by some people and project them onto, uh, you know, uh, what happened to, uh, to the Roma uh, during the war. Because these differences are, as I said, uh, huge and significant and relevant, I would say. So I think at work, there are some other, um, you know, causes than only uh, eugenicist, only uh, nationalist, uh, you know, uh, obsession regarding uh, Roma. So what we're talking about, I think it's, it's, uh, and in my view, this is, this is what um, is frightening, actually, because we are talking rather, not about something which happened, you know, uh, in the late 30s, uh, or even worse, uh, only in 1940 to 1944, when Antonescu uh, decides, uh, you know, to have Roma, certain Roma deported to Transnistria. Um, we are talking about a longer process of uh, criminalization of an ethnic group. And this is not something which uh, happened and, you know, all of a sudden disappeared with uh, Antonescu being executed or some, uh, you know, very visible uh, eugenicist uh, being, uh, um, you know, arrested or not having that uh, influential positions after the war. So I would say it's a, it's a, it's an interesting process which has to do with uh, deeper local social realities, uh, and I wouldn't um, you know refrain this either from you know I mean I wouldn't call it only uh, social. I would say it's more complex. You have this ethnicization if you want of crime or. Uh, you know, criminalization of an, of an ethnic group. And this is what happens uh, today as well. And these relocations, because uh, such ideas to relocate um, the people, the Roma from, you know, what was, you know, seen as center uh, places of the city. As I said, they were mostly uh, uh, the peripheral. Um, well, this is, what continues to happen uh, nowadays as well. So we are talking for the 1930s and 1940s about uh, an interesting radicalization process. Um, and I think we, could, we can't really exclude, uh, you know, not even the German influence, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, um, provoked by some, you know, scholars or eugenicists, you know, coming with, as they had done a century, earlier, you know, going to Paris and coming with ideas to uh, emancipate the Roma and then, you know, a century later with ideas to uh, deport them or to, uh, you know, get rid of them, deporting them or to have them uh, sterilized and so on. There were such ideas as well, of course. But the idea is, I mean, did the authorities, did Antonescu invoke such a uh, you know, um, racial or racially inspired or genesis inspired uh, uh, arguments. I mean, who were those uh, deported? Because the genesis, if we, uh, you know, get uh, to them, didn't manage to um, influence the state uh, into adopting um, racial um, legislation on sterilization, for example, or Roma during the war, you know, continue to have uh, their uh, civil rights unaffected, of course. That's a, that's, a, that's a very interesting, and I think a very important and nuanced qualification of, of 
the Roma Holocaust in Romania. And I think we're, we're back to where you began in a way. We're back to the importance of the local. We're back to the importance of the social dimension. And we're, we're bas you're, you're basically arguing that this was not so much an ideologized process driven by intellectual elites, but much more of a grassroots phenomenon. But at the same time, this is scary because it is, you can clearly see the links with what's going on today. Like, like you were talking about this criminalization of the Roma at the, at the interface between the social status and poverty, which is you know, a fundamental structural reality of most Roma communities and the certain ethnicization of both poverty and, and crime. But we are, we are out of time. We are at the end of the, we reached the end of the, the episode. And uh, I, just keeping it very, very um, short, I was wondering if we can bring the story to the present because we know this is such a problem in, in present day Romania and present day Eastern Europe more generally. Um, so if just in a few minutes, if you could maybe mention what, what would you, what aspect of education on Roma history or what, what parts of Roma history or what specific methodologies you think would be useful um, to render this more more impactful, what can we do? You know, what what is to be done? We can we can finish with that question, uh, and and also for people who are more interested to learn about this topic, about this fascinating topic that you've been talking about, um, where where can they go for more resources or um, to, to find more uh, to find publications um, or other resources about this? Um, yeah, I think there is some improvement in Romania, um, at least, where we have surveys conducted in the last years. So basically more and more people, when um, they are asked about the meaning of the Holocaust to them, they, they, they started to, to become aware of the fact that um, Roma were victims as well. So, um, yeah, in the beginning, um, only few associated the Holocaust with the Roma. So um, what happened in the last years is that the number uh, increased. Um, but yeah, sure, um, they aren't maybe uh, enough. So there is definitely uh, some more place for, for improvement. Um, and um, we are talking about Roma slavery, genocide, deportations. But uh, I also believe that we, we should talk uh, about the Roma movement as uh, as well, so uh, in interwar Romania, for example, and this, in my view, should get some more attention. Uh, and it's not only a Romanian episode, uh, because um, what happened in in interwar Romania was was part of a larger process uh, in uh, in uh, Europe, in in Eastern Europe, especially where actually uh, most uh, Roma lived and and continue to live. So in countries like Romania. Um, Hungary, Bulgaria, you know, Slovakia, Yugoslavia, and so on. So, this was the area, Eastern Europe, where Roma organized themselves, um, established organizations. They, they they became politically active, and and I think this is this um, has a potential that remains to be discovered and yeah, made use of. Um, so when talking about Roma movement, um, I would definitely recommend the books um, published recently, um, yeah, edited by, by, in the last two years, by um, Elena Marushakova and uh, Veselin Popov uh, from the St. Andrews University in, in, in Scotland. So um, we are talking about some huge books 
uh, with uh, 1,000 pages each, um, you know, focusing on portraits of Roma personalities uh, or uh, on the programs of these Roma organizations. They are quite interesting, uh, offering uh, different perspectives and um, very important. These, these um, books are online, so available to everyone who is interested. And um, yeah, I would say that the Roma movement uh, is something that should definitely get some more attention. And uh, I believe um, we shouldn't focus only on these you know, negative aspects like slavery and genocide. They are part, an important part of the, of the Roma history. Um, but um, I think we shouldn't reduce um, the Roma only to, to these uh, statues uh, as victims. Uh, and even when talking about genocide, um, I believe some more attention should be given uh, actually also to the people who try to resist. You know? They are not only victims, shouldn't be seen uh, only as, uh, as uh, victims. And um, yeah, I, I think um, that in the last years we could talk about uh, some improvement of how Roma started to be seen. And I think this improvement has um, a lot to do with this um, European accession. I mean, with these Eastern European countries becoming part of, of the European Union. Uh, because uh, I, I, I think... Romanian nationalism, or you know, some other forms of uh, nationalism in, in in Eastern Europe could be um, at least this is the hope, you know, domesticated by this process, by this Europeanization, and um, this recent um, interest in the genocide of the Roma is is part of this effort as well. So um, as a result, there are resources, there are sites. Um, realized by different entities, also by our institute in, in Bucharest. So you you have projects about hate speech, about genocide, you have online exhibitions and so on. And uh, in, in the idea that you could somehow dismantle the prejudices against, or, you know, biases against Jews, against Roma, um, you know, there is, there is something which was done, but... Um, I think I think the challenge is, um, yeah. Besides this improvement, um, yeah, more and more people in Romania, at least, uh, know more about the Roma deportations, yeah, and see them as part of the Holocaust. Um, but the question is, um, what, what what does it mean at the end of the day? Uh, okay, some more people know that Roma were deported some decades ago. Uh, so what? I mean, what, what's what's the result for real people nowadays? Um, does it create sympathy for the Roma nowadays? Um, yeah, could be, but I think there is a lot to be done here, and um, we should we should exploit actually these differences between Jews and Roma, um, because. Must must Jews who were deported to Transnistria during the war were actually deported from, um, you know, provinces like Bessarabia and uh, and Bukovina, northern Bukovina, which are not anymore uh, part of Romania. Um, 
but must Roma were not deported actually, uh, unlike Jews from, from some disputed areas like Bessarabia. Um, no, Roma were deported from hundreds of, of, of towns and villages, um, which are still part of the Romanian geography and should, should still be part of, of this um, uh, you know, Romanian um, conscious. Yeah? So it, it, it's hard not to find places in, in, in Romania uh, where there weren't some, some Roma deported to Transnistria. So um, I think I think the challenge is here to make it um, to the communities. I mean, to convince real people uh, nowadays that um, those deportations and the Holocaust you know, didn't happen somewhere else, uh, at the hands of some other people, you know, Germans, um, in an effort to externalize guilt, uh, as it happens quite a lot, or um, at the hands of, of the Romanians, you know, uh, you know a lot of time ago, of uh, some Romanians who died a long time ago, so um, who are not seen as you know us anymore. So um, yeah, so talking about uh, Roma deportations to Transnistria, what does it mean, Transnistria? I mean, it's something so so far away um, from us uh, in terms of geography or in terms of time. So because Transnistria is not anymore. Uh, part of Romania. It was only for two years or three years be- during the war. So um, I think I think there are so many places in, in Romania from where those Roma people were deported. And until a few years ago, you you could still meet um, uh, Roma survivors and talk to these Roma survivors. So uh, all history history interviews were, were conducted, um, and not having survivors anymore and. Okay, still you have some some collections, and I believe these collections of old history uh, should be should be used because they could make a difference. Yeah, um, I mean, we, for example, at uh, the institute, we have some partnerships with uh, with high school teachers and you know with the students, and uh, we, we're having uh, some projects in these directions. Yeah, for example, um, we have a project where. Uh, Teenagers learn about what happened to their neighbors during the war, and they are invited to come to some, you know, to some, to come with some ideas, yeah. And these ideas um, go then uh, to some artists who create street exhibitions, yeah. And the idea of, of this very project is to uh, have these uh, exhibitions uh, put in very visible locations, yeah, in in in, in cities in such places. From where Roma were deported during the war, and um, yeah, to have those um, street um, exhibitions put exposed in front, for example, of the city hall of that town, or in front of some buildings uh, which hosted during the war those institutions in charge of, of deportations, were, or where um, you know deportations of Roma were, were decided on uh, locally, um, because. The idea is the Holocaust didn't happen necessarily elsewhere, yeah, in time or you know geography. I think uh, let's it, we we can conclude on this partly optimistic note, and I think it was uh, it was a you know it, it was very your your last point about the fact that this didn't happen elsewhere, which is 
often a problem with the, the Holocaust when it comes to the, the Jewish minority, but that these Roma were deported from localities within Romania. I think that's a very important point in terms of linking it to actual education practice. And I know you have been involved in some of these. Uh, and of course, the notion of Roma agency, uh, which comes back every many times when we, when we talk with organizations trying to promote history of the Roma, there's always this notion of, okay, don't just talk about genocide. Talk about the fact that these people had agency themselves and that they, they acted. They weren't just victims. They weren't just objects of others' actions, but they themselves had the agency. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you also pointed it out. I, we are badly over time, and I, I, I really want to thank you for, um, for um, the episode. I think it was an absolutely fascinating discussion about the Roma, and I, I can't thank you enough. So I'll just hand back to Olena to close the session. Thank you so much, Patra and Raul. Indeed, it was a fascinating conversation, and I think there is a lot to learn. Uh, for all of us, even those who are not generally interested in the history of Romania or, or, or the Roma minority. So thank you once again for your time. And if we can uh, share the links to uh, those initiatives that Petra, you mentioned in the description of the episode.